I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone and welcome to Bookish. I'm George Demorellis and with me today is Alexei Toliopoulos. Oh my god, even you can't pronounce it. No, no, no. Toliopoulos is correct. That's correct. Okay, I just panicked because (laughs) I was... Scrolling to your bio so I could say it as well. So let's before we before you say hi, just wait, Alexi. All right, uh, Alexi Toliopoulos is a comedian, filmmaker, writer, and podcaster with an unmatched knowledge of popular culture. Uh, besides live comedy and his beloved podcast, this is really long. I just realized to start a oh show. My goodness, with. yeah, and it's like written in my third person. Yeah, no, you love movies, you love podcasts, you do writing, you work in a production company, you're on ABC TV's The Mix, mm-hmm. um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, you're also on the Sans Pants Network with your good buddy, Cameron James, mm-hmm. um, with your two podcasts right now, which is Total Reboot and Mic Check. Yes, Mic Check. We've done an episode recently for the first time in years. But Total Reboot, we do every week. We're brothers on yeah, Sans exactly. Pants. Yeah, exactly. Sans Pants brothers. So there you go. I think I, Did I get everything? I think so. Perfect. Yes. That was a- <laughs> it was very embarrassing because I know that I wrote that bio like <laughs> two years ago and hearing it back, I'm like, oh, I suck. I suck. I hate this. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that's standard. It's so funny. You have to do a bio and you have to go in third person. Oh, uh, like, yeah. You know, like if you enjoyed it, you'd be a bit worried, I think. Yeah. I think it's psycho to write and go like, God, this. I'm loving writing my little fucking autobiography right now of the last last year's worth of career highlights. And then it's like, no, it's like I'm writing it. I want to write like Lexi Teleopolis is currently depressed from writing this exact paragraph that you're reading yeah. right now. <laughs> Everyone's going to kind of like, everyone just assumes that the case, I'm sure. We're all, we're, we're in comedy. <laughs> where it's fine. Everyone knows. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but that's uh okay, yeah. So not myself. I love the I love that you're drinking a mythos at three twenty five PM. Like could you be more quarantine right now? <laughs> exactly. This is quarantine lifestyle. Whenever I'm getting on a podcast, I'm like, crack a mythos open, sit back, have a beer off, and just chat and loosen up. I like because it's like you're not no one's performing anymore. Like this I barely qualify this as performing, talking to my friend at my computer. I'm like, oh, I gotta pretend that it's somehow normal <laughs> that we're hanging out or that we're like performing in a live kind of yeah, setting. No, it's, so you do that by drinking a beer. <laughs> yeah. That's it's how I switch on. I'm like, okay, okay comedy. Now, that's how I know it's time for business. I'm having a beer. <laughs> Yeah. The mythos only comes out when I'm performing. That's 
exactly, exactly. Gonna be- I made them at the comedy show they used to host. I was like, you got to get a case of Mythos for me just so I can have it over a few months. It's going to make me a better performer. I'm going to be more gregarious, more myself. I was actually about to make a joke about you being the Greekest diva ever, and you actually <laughs> were. So. <that's- laughs> Well, there's not too many in comedy these days, right? No, there's a few. There's yeah. like some of the older guard as well, and then yeah, yeah, a few exactly. Of us the ones that we look up to, the one that we look, the ones yeah, that we look, look up to. Up to. <laughs> <laughs> they're listening. They're seeing these two names together on a podcast. They're all listening. That's right correct. Now. That's a good point. What is your book for today that you're going to be talking about? I actually struggle to kind of bring it down because when I think about it, like the the books that I care about the most. That's the thing that they have in common is that there is like this, I guess, you know, like either a Greek element or migrant element, like that diasporic element. And like the first book that I chose is like one that I've like discussed, a story that I've discussed a lot over the last couple of years was the book Melina Marquetta's Looking for Mm -hmm. Ala Brandy, which I've like covered a lot, which was one that I, I, Last year, I hosted like this awesome table read of her script and I got to like interview her a lot and like work with her and like find like her old scripts and bring them together to like do like this awesome live table read with like so many of my funny comedian friends for the 20th anniversary of the movie was like this week. So it was like to lead up to the 20th anniversary. So I'm glad we did yeah. last year instead of waiting till this week <laughs> to do it. But uh, that was a story that like I really, I deeply, deeply love and connect to. And I thought it would be good for this, but then I changed it because I want to do something that you had read as well. But the reason I think about that so much as like one of my favorite books is because it is set in like literally the part of Sydney that I grew up in, in a very similar like ethnic diaspora, but it's like Italian instead mm. of Greek, but I grew up in Ita- in the same Italian neighborhoods as well. And for that movie and that book, especially the movie, like when I watched the movie, the way that I s- described it was like, now when I see it, it's like watching my memories again and like seeing a home photo album come to life, especially like the dynamic. I grew up with my mom and my yard, just the three of us in a household. And like, that's the same dynamic in that movie. And it's like such an accurate portrayal of like this generational divide between like first or second generation migrants and their parents that migrated here and all that stuff. So like, that's the book that I care about the most but then uh, going uh, bring it here today i was like oh i can't too <laughs> much i can't too much <laughs> what do you mean you can't too much the only issue i have is like i feel like you've raked that book over the coals a bit absolutely already. yeah and you think you've got it all figured out which i would have liked to unpack but yeah maybe next time book. next time because i was yeah. like you know i've talked to i've talked about it so much that i'm kind of like Oh, you well, you know, I don't want, no, I just don't want people to just go, Alexi's read only one book in his whole life, and it's a uh, book that he read in <laughs> high school. <laughs> Which would be all right, but no, I did like your second choice that you told me about, so mm. you want to say what it is? The book that I chose to talk with you today is by Nikos Kazanzakis. The book is Zorba the Greek, and I've got my old trusty copy here today. <laughs> And it's one of my favorite things about this show so far has been how many people have brought in a copy mm. of the book yeah. that they like. It's, it's It makes it real special. I can see you. I've got a different colored copy to that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a, good, it's a great... Uh, I'm actually excited because this is the first recording so far, which has only been seven, mm. but, uh, where not only have I read the book, but it, this is one of my oh. like, all-time faves as well. Wow. That's why I always... 
I didn't push too hard for looking for a yeah. mention sort of. I was <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> when I gave you the three options, you're like, well, there's one that I've read and I'd love to discuss with you. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you said that, I was like, I think, because, you know, you and I, we're friends and we've known each other for a while. But because we live in different cities, it's, I think that this would be a really interesting one for us two young Greek comedians to be able to talk about like our heritage together. Cause I feel like it's one of those mm. rare things where, especially in this industry where there is like this divide between like the kind of comedy that you and I work in and like that ethnic comedy that I definitely grew up watching a lot. And I think that there's like this heart, this thing that I found really hard to articulate and I've been trying to like find a way to express it creatively is that feeling of difference that is talked about so much in like stuff like this and looking for Ella Brandy and all of those things, like those big, like, you know, big capital W wog works that have like stood the test of time in this country that have been about like that racial divide, that ethnic divide and how important they were and how it's about that difference. And I think in the years, like since I've graduated high school, like the last decade or so, I've gone from feeling like I am like culturally different to now having like to, and I think for people like us and for Italian people and stuff to now feel like, oh, we're just white as well now. And that, that 10 year gap between like those two feelings is something that I've had like a big struggle with trying to like culturally define myself now. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I've actually spoken with a mate about it a little while ago. Um, So I want to say all this with uh, due respect to the appropriate parties, but basically like it's funny when you look at it and you look at the, I guess, wog humor as Mm. it was for us growing up in the 90s, Acropolis now and all that stuff. And it was like, um, and the thing is now it's funny, like I was talking to a friend about it. It's like basically that wog humor almost, because I agree that we've gone more, the whites have accepted Mm. us. Yeah. (laughs) they or at least they've let us in they're like there's people browner than you you guys are in they're browner now so exactly now you're white we're all normal now and it's like almost like this weird thing it's like hard to talk about where it's like i feel like i missed out on any of the benefits in my life that would have come from being different and now that i'm just another white dude that's like the weird yeah. thing that's happened. Yeah, like, I'm not going to get any extra funding yes. from Screen Australia being <laughs> Exactly. <Greek>. I spoke <laughs> another language until I was fucking 10 years old. I didn't know how to speak English, dude. I'm basically a migrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that true? Uh, until I, I, like, I didn't, I was bad at English until I was like five or six when I, ca- like, we, we, like, I'm first generation born in this country, but my dad is Australian. My mom is Greek. And uh, mm-hmm. they migrated here in like the '60s after like Greek civil war and stuff. And so wait, so your dad, mum, and dad are both born in? No, Greece, my or? dad's Australian. Like my dad's just Australian, but I like grew up but, with my mom, then- so I've always like you oh, know, okay, right, yeah. Right. And so like I grew up with my mom and my grandma, my papu and my yaya, and like so it was very much like very Greek upbringing. I spoke only Greek at home because my dad learned how to speak Greek as well. But like, because I lived my young papu that didn't speak, like they spoke Greek was their primary language. That was how I communicated all the time at home. So when I was going to school, like I was doing like special English classes and stuff like an ESL kid. And like, we went, uh, my mom and dad and I, we lived in Greece for like six or seven months when I was like, 
four years old. And so there, I only spoke Greek for like half a year. I didn't speak, I didn't speak one word of English for half a year. So then coming right back from that and going straight into like kindergarten, I was like, I, it was like a big struggle and I didn't know how to, I like didn't know how to speak English for a while. I forgot how to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Like, as in, uh, it's, uh, are, you, are you the eldest? Do you have any siblings? No siblings. So I guess I'm not actually okay. Greek is what I've revealed. <laughs> I'm the only Greek, <laughs> only child. We're breaking, we're smashing stereotypes here. Smashing plates, <laughs> smashing as- stereotypes, brother. <laughs> as as we're doing with some stereotypes. <laughs> While you drink a Greek mythos. <laughs> but uh, oh, mythos is a Greek beer, by the oh, way. Yeah. If anyone, anyone has to figure that out contextually by one of the Greekest sounding words and me drinking it, getting positively yeah. looser as it goes on. <laughs> Uh, but that's interesting because my because uh, I've got three mm. brothers and the eldest when he was growing up because I'm first generation as well and both my parents were born yeah. in Greece and migrated here and he didn't speak any English at wow. all until he was five years old and he went to kindergarten or school yeah. um, so my mum it scarred my mum for life yeah because he couldn't speak English so he was full shattered oh. when he was at kindergarten and my mum was like she still talks about it to this day like a traumatic <laughs> experience. <laughs> Seeing her son sitting there, unable to play with all the oh, kids, and all sad because he can't speak the language. Um, well, mine was not that bad. I probably thankfully. Laugh. <laughs> hey, you're allowed to laugh. You got away from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, see, he did all the damage. So I could. Uh, I, I had it easy. Yeah. Coasted along the <laughs> it's, it's a way to be. Oh way man, be. damn! I've I got to get my but, mom and dad to get back together and have a couple of kids so they can they can coast through the rest of life. Yeah, oh man, they've got easy now, yeah. definitely. Especially well, now it's like they're white anyway. They got it exactly. Sweet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, no. But, but hand in hand with that, though, I know what you mean. Like, but the other thing is, like, even in terms of the comedy, if mm. we we're going to the comedy part yeah. for a second, it's like you've got the classic. I, I don't want to say basic, like it's dumb, but basic is in it's been there forever mm. type of wog humor, um, which even people now are doing in their own version, which is a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I mean, you got sushi mango and stuff like that. It's yeah. really fun, really popular. Um, but it's still kind of the same style as it was in the 90s mm. almost. Like it hasn't kind of updated. So yeah. one of the things I was talking with a friend is like, you want to kind of have a new element now of, I guess, the next sort of mm. wave of that style and what does that look like and what is it and how do you yeah. like, represent that? So yeah, we're not like, oh, the skippies and the wogs and uh, yeah, oh, here's my the girlfriend difference. doesn't know how to cook, yeah. but my Greek mum is the best cook. <laughs> Like, dude, I'm still laughing. You got me, dude. You got me. Yeah, no, fuck, it's all right. Yeah. You don't forget what I just said. Yeah. We're going back to basics. Yeah. But it's like- Give me tarama. <laughs> Where's the galaktoburiko? Oh, my God. I love galaktoburiko. That's all it is. Like, galaktoburiko, I know this. I know the word. Yeah, exactly. But I think for me, it's like, you know, that aspect of it is like, I guess I've been interpreting it like, ironically, like I'll- I'll be doing all that, but I'm like, oh, yes, but I'm winking. So it's not yeah, actually yeah, yeah. that. But they're like, no, it is that. But, you know, yeah, yeah. not playing to a completely comedy. Greek audience. So I'm like, they're like, there's like one Greek kid that's going like, this is awesome. And the rest are like, he's saying a funny word. <laughs> he's saying his name over and over again and a funny word. <laughs> it's true. Look, we've got, to, we've got to pander to these bloody whites. They've led us into the club. We've got to dance for our supper. <laughs> We get it, guys. We get it if we you're listening. Get it. Yeah, we you're get not it. Listening. You don't give a shit about We are us. you we now. It. We get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it. God, I can't wait till we're not the f- <laughs> the latest entry in the club. 
I'm off. I'm eyeing off those lebs, but they just keep being weird. They keep. They're not. They're. Well, I can't say this. I feel weird now. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> That's why we've assimilated. We can't say it anymore. Well, mate, yeah, I, I told, I've got plenty of friends who are lebbies. <laughs> <laughs> but I that's why I kind of like when I thought of this book and like it had been a while since I'd read it and I just thought like this would be like a good way for you and I to like spark a conversation especially when you said like oh this is one of your favorite books and you said it for the exact same reason that I did uh in that it's one of those books where it's whole it's got a mission this book and reading it that mission is so clear and Nikos Kazantzakis is such a beautiful writer like i just love reading his prose even though it's translated from another language i think they are able to capture what he does best like in his descriptions and the way that he constructs sentences in this really elegant way in the translation but what this whole mission is like put the fucking book down and get out into the world and i've been trying to reread it again since we decided to do it and let me tell you, this was the wrong book to read <laughs> while you can't time. leave the house. Yes. When I was I, about to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, they, people always go like, oh, what a great book. You can't put it down. You can't put it down. This whole book is like the opposite of that. It's like, you got to put this book down, get out and live your freaking life. Yeah, get yeah. that lust for life. Be Greek, be beautiful and be powerful and live every day. And reading it while you can't leave like the fucking 20 square meters that I live in has been so difficult and I almost <laughs> regret choosing it. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, man. It's, it's literally like stop being a goddamn nerd. Go out. Yes. Like break some hearts, have your heart broken, get drunk and dance. Mm. And that's the, yeah, it's amazing. Exactly. Yeah, like, and it's, like a a, stunning, it's a stunning book, I do think. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And like I, like I said to you, like, I mean, that was my when I was working at the bank. I was like, this is a book. I was like, I'm not going to read this while I'm here because yeah. it's too much. Because I always said, like, in, the way I phrased it, I said, in, the in case of emergency, break glass book. <laughs> That's kind of what I had it as. Yes. Like, as in, if things are going wherever, read this book, and it yeah. will make you like reevaluate. You already know it's going to make you reevaluate shit. Like, because it, yeah. it will have that actual impact. Absolutely, so, yeah. When did you come to the book? When did you find it? Um, I uh, would have been it was would have been in uni sometime. I think mm. I'm guessing so, like twenty twenty three something like twenty two. Yeah. Um, I was I I I, I was I didn't even know what it was like just because I was like oh, I want to be a bit more international in my reading and I mm. saw some list of like best hundred international books yeah so being greek obviously i saw it and i'm like as if and but in my head i was like oh as if like as if because yeah. even us talking about this now it's like you don't want to anyone listening who's like yeah. oh look at these two goddamn greeks loving of course yeah. they love sort of the greek and look <laughs> bias is definitely involved in this there's let's not Absolutely. deny that for a second <laughs> i would never deny it there is yeah. a bias dude there is Extreme a bias. bias yeah no yeah. doubt but at the same time i actually do think it's an amazing book for like mm. the reason it makes it onto these lists of best books ever of, yeah um, international thing is because it's beautiful um but that's kind of why i read it the first time and then i'm like damn it it's that good but no one's mm. ever gonna believe me <laughs> yeah had you seen I'm- the film as well had you seen no, that? no i watched the film way later yeah way later what I think you? I can't remember what I would have seen first because I think it would have been around the same time. So I came to this book and other Nikos Kazantzakis books in high school. And I think it was because like 
my it was like my papu's favorite author and my mom's favorite author oh. uh, or to an extent like she had very obviously very similar relationship to this book because like i said my mom is greek yeah. as we would um so it, my papu really loved uh linkos kazanzakis and so he always had his books around so i was aware of who he was and then you know as you're in high school and you're like finding yourself i'm grappling with my heritage and stuff and like trying to figure out like why where i like what my cultural heritage is where i stand in balance and how i am similar and different to everyone and trying to like as well start on that creative path of like oh i want to be uh, a creative i want to be like a filmmaker or a writer or something um and going down that path you're like okay well what should i be taking in so i can expel that into the world as well what should my influences be and what is part of my like what's part of my creative lineage has always been something that's been very interesting like who are my influences and what do i what do i wear on my sleeve as my influences and what do i like think of that like that creative lineage lineage like creative heritage and I was right. thinking this was more literal, like because it's what my family liked. I was like, this should be part of my my DNA as well, because it's part of my actual DNA. It should be part of my creative DNA. So I started yeah. reading Nikos Kazantzakis. I started with another book that I suggested, which was The Last Temptation of Christ, which is a book that I like absolutely. I was like 15 when I read it and blew my fucking dick into the dirt. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe this book that it was like so cool and dangerous. It's about, it's like a novel, a fictionalized novel about Christ's life and portrays Christ as a man. And then I saw the film adaptation by Martin Scorsese, which I think is gorgeous as well. I love that movie. And so I think then Zorba was like the next one that I read. And I love the movie and I saw the movie probably around the same time as reading it. And um, it kind of like being this thing, because I've never been back to Greece since I was like four, five years old. I haven't been back since. No way. I haven't. And I was uh, literally, I was planning to go like as of like next month. I would have been like in Greece <laughs> doing my pilgrimage because I've been like, you know, doing stand up and stuff. And I wanted to like, uh, like I had a monthly show that I was like, I want to stick to this and I'll go travel afterwards. I've been traveling before, but I hadn't been back to Greece. I was like, after this show ends, I'm going to start and I've been know where I am with work and I've saved up money. That's when I'm going to like go, okay, now I can do go back home or guess see my family again and like kind of like you know make an adult friendships and adult relationships with my family back in Greece that I haven't seen for a long time I've only talked to on the phone here there every few years Mm. and so it's like always been in the back of my mind this book this movie and so I started revisiting them now and it is like it's because the book is like from a perspective or the movie at least is from a perspective of someone who is Greek, but an outsider Mm. uh, returning. And then the book is like this, it's this interesting character. Oh, how should we even summarize this book? I don't think we've even done that. Um, We don't really like, as in it's not, the funny thing is it's not a very plot heavy book in the first place. Yeah, exactly. A young guy who decides he wants to like, get away from stuff which is kind of hinted at that it was like mm. a homosexual relationship that he's kind of yes. running away from but it's not that was something ever- that as i'm reading it now i did not i and that's all i can see in the book but when i was a teenager i didn't see it at all oh really yeah well yeah. it doesn't actually like it it doesn't overtly say mm. that's the reason or even that the reason was because it broke up or whether because he felt so much shame about it it doesn't really go into that yeah but I think it might actually be a case of him repressing what he wanted to do and that would tie in perfectly with absolutely. the entire book anyway yeah absolutely um, yeah, and then basically he meets an old dude, mm-hmm. Zorba, 
And then they go to an island and uh, adventure in shoes. Yeah. <laughs> very sad, melancholic, but fun, funny, weird, uh, life-affirming adventure. And it's it's interesting because it's like, it's like these two philosophies is kind of like the way that the book is set up. But I only think one is criticized. I don't think – I think that there's yeah. two philosophies. One – is the book is written by from the perspective of like a young intellectual, a writer who's kind of portrayed as like this nerdy type, a character yeah. that I would say I can relate to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This like nerdy type who's got like some, he's got like some trepidations in his life, some timidness, whose like friend or partner had left to go, I guess like go, uh, go help like the persecuted Greeks in Russia. And this is like set in like, When's this book set? Like early eight, I, like late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so I, yeah, I would have thought maybe even a little. Yeah, something like that. I thought like nineteen fifty. Yeah, I don't know. it doesn't have a big yeah. stab going like this year at the start yeah. of every chapter. But well, after the death of Archduke <laughs> Franz Ferdinand. Oh, okay. I know exactly what you were saying. Okay, it's perfect. Perfect. Right. Thank you. That's the most cataclysmic moment in history that I know. Everything that happened around. <laughs> I know the exact date. Yeah. <laughs> But um, and it's like he, his partner's going off to like live like this, or his friend is going to live like this. I'm doing friends in quotation marks. Yeah. His friend has gone to like live like <laughs> so this. Just to let everyone know, <laughs> this like freedom fighter life. <laughs> it is like it's so it's so friends. Where it's yeah, like, yeah. especially the way that cousin Zuck is like describes the way that like he's starting to talk about his friend or like remember his friend and remember like their their time together and they're saying goodbye. It is so elegant and so romantic. The way that Cousin Zuckis' prose goes from like in the moment of him, our narrator, like being in the room and being in the world and slowly seeping back into his mind and into his memories and then you're inside the memory like as he's remembering things. It's very heartfelt mm. and heartbreaking. I'm like, oh my God, how did I not see this as a relationship as a kid where I'm just like, oh, his mate, his old mate and stuff. And now I seem like this is really tragic and really romantic. And like, it's, I really got to me reading it now. And then the yeah. other, so it's his life is like, kind of like seeing himself as like an outsider and not an adventurer and someone who doesn't like grab life by the horns, as probably Zorba would say. But then- uh, like a closed life, a closed life and a quiet life. And he's put mm. into this situation where he um, inherits like his family mine. And so he has to go to Crete to like bring the mine back and like be like the boss of this mine and the owner of it. And there he, on the way there, he meets Alexis Sorbas, who is mm. like the, like this, it's hard, not stereotype, but I think it's because Zorba is like truly one of like the most, in a weird way, iconic characters of literature and popular culture oh, like that has kind of like, yeah, he's he's like he's like the contrast that is him is impossible, but exactly. somehow it works. Somehow it works, and I think because this story, this book, and then like the film adaptation, uh, like it has this really weird place in popular culture where the song, the zorba, and the dance are. Uh, like inventions by like Mikis Theodorakis who did the soundtrack for the film, the score. And like that song that you hear associated like, you know, I, I've been brought on stage to that song. 
And like, <laughs> it's a song that plays at every, not even Greek wedding, every wedding, because it's known as like this wedding dance and stuff like that. As like this, like people think it's like, oh, it's this classic Greek folk song that's been around for hundreds of years. The song was written in like 1956 or whatever that movie came out by Mikis Theodorakis, who's like one of the greatest composers and like a great Greek composer and folk musician and everything. He's he is a legend. I adore his work. And he, um, that's like, he, he made that song up. And now it's become like something that's not even like popular culture. It's like culture that, mm. and it's, so it's like eclipsed so many other works and Zorba being like this gregarious, like, I guess the definition of gregarious and the definition of someone that lives life, works hard. And then every moment is about living and being present and the philosophies of being in life and being in love and being like being, I, I don't even know how to describe it, like being energy and being a giver and a taker in the world where you take energy and you give energy back. And I think that this book never criticizes Zorba. It never criticizes him. It's all about embracing that, that perspective yeah, and that lifestyle. Like you could almost argue that as a critique of it, the fact that it doesn't mm. present the negatives of that side. In a yeah, way. I think it like it would be a gentle critique because I'm like, well, art doesn't live in a vacuum. So it's like, it's not just up to this one author to give two sides of the story. It's like someone else should go and write a response. Like some nerd like me should be like, yeah, well, exactly. actually the nerds have a good <laughs> couple of things I did. Have you stayed inside? <laughs> it is very comfortable, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, right now, that's what I'm going to do in quarantine. I'm going to write this and go like, okay, Zorba would be dead right now, okay? If this was happening today. We're doing the story of when Zorba can't go out anymore <laughs> and then he needs the nerds to help him eat, okay? Exactly. So- <laughs> Zorba's not doing a freaking Zoom chat right now, okay? Zorba's out yeah. there living. And it's like, you know, that – I think that's like – I don't want to call it a critique of that because it's not something that I, de- I don't – when I read a piece, I'm like, I want – or when I read or watch a film, I'm always like, I want – the perspective of the author. I want what the author intends. I don't need like both sides. I, to me, like art is not unbiased. Art should be biased. And I think that I, you know, really, I think, well, I think that art should be like of the perspective of its like creator. And I think that's what I like about this book is that like I'm not sitting there going like oh my god what a vlucker <laughs> let's get I want to hear criticism of Zorba okay I'm not going that I'm like I go this is what was intended this is what I want so you're getting drawn into that world that it's created which includes the person's vision who's creating it so mm. it's like you're really getting drawn which from his point of view and I think like it has that element which because I agree with you a hundred percent about like the uh, relating to, mm. like, I, I don't think anyone really, no one's reading that book because of how, like, because it gets quite philosophical in bits. Yeah, I don't think anyone's reading that book is relating to Zodba. Like, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think everyone's relating the other way with that. Exactly, like, uh, it's not like yeah. literally the equivalent of it today would be, or for listeners, if you're in Australia, the equivalent of it would be like. Someone who works literally in the mines, which we have a lot of in Australia, works extremely hard in the mines. And then for the rest of their life, it's all about living and all about like, I guess, partying. So you could yeah. make this like a modern day movie set in like Perth or, or like the Gold Coast, like fly in, fly out lifestyle. That's who Zorba <coughs> is. Yeah, but it's like at the same time, it's not living for the sake of a... Like, because uh, I remember trying to describe it to a mate of mine mm. once when I was convincing him to watch the movie because yeah. he doesn't read books. Yeah. But uh, the, one of the things I was 
when I did finally watch the movie and I was blown away by mm. um, was how well they actually kind of did manage to capture yes. that contradiction that is Zorba. Like, as in, it doesn't because yes. it's so hard to explain to someone that he's not just like some fuck everything. Like, it's mm. not misanthropic or solipsistic or uncaring, but at the same time, it's so uncaring. Like, somehow, yeah. it's like for me, it was like the way I described it to him, like, it's just someone who like will do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. When he wants, so like literally tomorrow, he could turn around and get married and be married for fifteen years. Yes, and then the next one day, wake up and be like, nah, and nah. then just go do something else. And yeah. he's never like all he's ever doing is being true to true to himself. Yeah, true to the of- true to the spirit, if you will. And I think, yeah. I think that's kind of like what this book, what the like the contradictions of Zorba, what makes it beautiful in a way is like, yeah, it's really selfish, but it's like his perspective on it, and then I guess the way that it is interpreted in the text is that like he's doing it for himself but it is also for the good of that like i don't even describe but like it's good for the spirit that he's out there existing in the world like to he is someone that invigorates the world and invigorates life yeah like he's good for the so i guess what you're saying there is almost that's why he's allowed to do it yes i think (laughs) that's what cousin Zekis's perspective is is a bit like that yeah, so and that's kind of like when you say that that's interesting because that technically means um, that you don't necessarily need to put the book down mm. when you fully embrace it because you could be like me being me is someone what? reading this book. <laughs> yeah. Like, couldn't you argue that kind of? I think so. I think you could argue that. Yeah, like you don't get me wrong. No one thinks that when they're yeah. <laughs> reading. When it, you're reading like, it, you're not going that. But you can like you can bring that decision back to yourself, I guess. What you know, the idea of like being true to yourself, I guess, mm. is like how to how to do that because it, that's fundamentally his thing. He just does whatever is him in its purest sense mm. um, all the time. Like I don't know. Like, would you say? Yeah, because I get the same feeling. And then I'm like, oh, but am I faking it mm. <laughs> if I try yeah. to live like that? Exactly. And you, and it's also not just like that faking. It's like that sense of like that sense of imposter syndrome. But it's also like, would people want that from me? Like if I'm, you know, like I think Zorba is like that person where it's like that life of the party where it's like they've got this magnetism about them. You can't be drawn away from them. They're like... They're larger than life. Like all the things you would describe, like like that, that like Zorba with uh, all the cliches that you would describe, like that life of the party person. And mm. I think that it's one of those things where it's like, I guess maybe this novel is more measured than I anticipated because I think it is, you know, I don't think it's encouraging you to be Zorba. I don't think it's encouraging you to be Zorba. I think it's just encouraging you to live life to the fullest to what you want that to be and maybe to challenge yourself a little bit further in like embracing life and enjoying life and having that lust for it. Yeah, because like, I don't know, You've have you ever... Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like the person who's the center of everything constantly because no, so much effort. Exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I would I straddle the line between like introverted and then moments where I f- want to be extroverted and stuff. Want to be as in like in a social setting? Yeah, like in a social setting. Like I'm fine. I think because well, because I'm an only child, I've always been very comfortable being alone and being introverted and just being alone with my thoughts and my imagination and you know films and art and books or comics or whatever it is 
And then, you know, I, when there are those moments like where I'm a very social person, you know, performing and doing like comedy and living in those circles where I'm out there, I'm like, I want to be the funniest one. I want to be the funniest one. I want to be the one that everyone wants to like, that wants to make me laugh and I, and make them want me to make them laugh. And like, that's the attitude. And I think that's like, to me, where the, the, the balance between those two characters are, which I think is like a very Greek balance between those two things of being like, you know, small, reserved, respectful. And the other half of being like big, loud, gregarious, excited, giving love mm. and taking love and that kind of that perspective. Yeah. That kind of big character. Yeah. But do you feel like you are that when you try or are you just being more yourself, but funny? Uh, <laughs> you know uh, I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. I think it's, I think it's one of those things where it's both. I think that it's like, I think that for me, a lot of it's like about energy and love where it's like, there's people that take, there's people that give. And there's moments where I know that because I am someone that I would consider myself someone that gives energy and like is a good listener and stuff and good at being a good communicator and all those kind of qualities that you would give to someone that's like, you know, empathetic or like, you know, or or like a giver. But then there's like moments where I'm like, oh, when well, I'm not doing that. And I feel like that's when you can be a taker of energy. And I think that's like, to me, it's when it's like the Zorba thing is when you're like out there and you, you're you out there being bigger than the bigger than you are or like bigger. It's hard. Oh God, I'm having trouble articulating it. But like that moment of like being pure energy and joy and and like life brother being life mm. <laughs> being life brother no but like as in uh i know what you mean like i've got to be mm. honest that that level of uh like where everything lines up and you mm. are because it's not just being life it, it's that perfect it's it's like it's like when you've had just enough to drink mm. but not too much yeah that's me right now and with my just, half sunk mythos <laughs> Yeah, no, and you're slurring of words, to be honest. No one knows what you're talking about. No. Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like as in for me, I mean, I think of something I actually was more when I was younger as mm. well. Like as in a bit more of that excitable, um, yeah, bigger and louder, mm. but in a really fun way yes. of drawing people in. Um and I don't know. I don't know if it's gone. I don't know if it's gone or whether it's just been tamped down mm. by reality or yeah. what. 
Yeah, like how do you like do you, have you done anything like that lately? Let's say. Well, not in have the last you, two months. Experience? Not in the last. <laughs> yeah, not in the last two yeah. months. Yeah. But how about before that? Would you say there was any moment? I think it's now. It's. I agree with you that like uh, that it disappears more when you like start feeling more settled in your life and comfortable in your life. Where I mean, like I don't have those big nights where I like binge drink as frequently as I used to, which I would consider mm. like that's the Zorba lifestyle where you're like out there partying and really enjoying yourself and giving yourself over to a life experience i think maybe twice a year i'll do that now (laughs) and like and i can remember them like i go yes i know there was a night where i lived my full exuberant life and then that's and then like the next day is like a write-off and i can't i think it's like it's like I don't know. Do these people live exist in real life, or is Zorba a complete fiction? I know he's based on a real man and this real man's philosophies. And I think the real guy's name, dude, this is crazy. So in the book and the movie and everything, it's Alexis Zorbas. In real life, mm-hmm. it's George Zorbas. So it's both of That's us. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? We Why are we get recording out some there? nerdy podcast? Forget this, man. Forget we gotta this get podcast. out there, dude. We, we gotta, gotta go get drink. on a boat. You and I gotta get on a boat. Zorbas. We've got to go. We've got to do it. I cannot we believe We've got to do it. We gotta, You're kidding me. Me and you have to get on a boat sometime. That's like that's all we got to do. That's that's crazy. I can't. Although, of course, his name's George. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where was he? Everyone in Greece. Yeah, is he going to be George or is he going to be named after Alexander the Great? Those are the two options that <laughs> that you have. Two, like, polar opposites mm. as well. Like, George is just the most common name there. Yeah. But, uh, oh, that's hilarious. But, yeah, that's because I agree. And it, you know what? Even this conversation now is making me think about, like, ah, and I know everyone feels it a bit in quarantine. Mm. Which, to be honest, between you and me, I haven't felt that yeah. much. I've been not minding quarantine. That yeah, much. <laughs> I think like, you know, you and I are similar. Like, I'm here at home with my movies. Like, I've got thousands of movies mm. that I just want to watch. And like, I've been re-watching a lot of movies like that I'd fallen in love with, like as a teenager that I haven't revisited for a long time. Or movies that I think are like very key to my journey into uh, being like uh, like a, a, a filmmaker or a storyteller or someone that's like, you know, a celebrator of cinema, like those movies that have been key on my journey for that. Zorba was one of them. And I think that I've been finding a lot of comfort in just being able to just really enjoy my arts, like that I, that I take pleasure and take energy from. And I think that, I think that because I have like that introverted habit anyway, even though I appear to be an extrovert, it's like I find that immense amount of comfort in just doing that anyway. All right. So do you feel like you give off the impression of being an extrovert in general? I think because I'm like loud and I laugh a lot that when people like, you know, when people come into contact with me, that's like they'll think that. But then, like, I will not go out. Like, I won't go to a party and nothing gives me greater pleasure than, like, just going, like, yeah, I'm just going to stay home tonight. I'm going to not go out to that. And I think that, mm. you know, I think that's, like, you know, I can go out and be be that extroverted person because I can go home and be within myself and be introverted. Oh, that sounded disgusting. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but be, be inside myself. <laughs> But to be home and be quiet and then like, you know, when I have a conversation like I'm having with you now, this is like one of my probably five conversations I'll have this week, I can be big and energetic and excited. And then as soon as this ends, I will play 
PlayStation for like four hours or something, or I'll go, right. I'll put a movie on, or I'll go cook, and then that's you know that's that's all I'll do, and I won't speak for like four hours. Okay, and I right. don't live so by do- myself either, which is the bad part. <laughs> Just sound, look, you sound like a dream roommate to a lot of people, to be honest. <laughs> but that's like, so did you feel like uh, you're saying how, you know, you don't, you used to binge drink a lot more than you do now. Mm-hmm. Did you, like, was it a conscious choice or was it just you got older and got more responsibilities so you kind of stopped doing that as much? Uh, or were you never doing it that much, but you were doing it a bit more? I never did it to where it was a problem anyway. Like, I've never... <laughs> I wasn't hinting. Yeah, that. dude, yeah. you feel like trying to get me on this shit, dude? <laughs> uh, no, like, I, you know, like, especially, like, you know, I would smoke marijuana a lot when I was, like, in my early 20s and stuff. And I really, like, enjoyed that. Like, I, I like, when especially when I started doing stand-up, I was like, oh, I'm a stoner comedian, dude. I'm gonna be a freaking stoner yeah. comedian. That's gonna be my thing. And then, good luck writing. Man. Yeah, <laughs> be yeah, exactly. And I think it like that's really drifted away. I stopped enjoying that, and then out like drinking to an extent where you would lose control of things. It became like you know, it was like you know, I'm I think I've been about control a lot, especially when it comes to like substance stuff, where it's like. You can go like, oh, I know this is going to make me feel, so this is part of control as well. But then, like, I just but you just, never let it swing out of. No, you really. never let yourself get too messy. No, like there'd be moments, and like you know, when you're like 19 or whatever, getting over a breakup, like your first time you've <laughs> ever been broken up with, and you're like, oh, you get the emotion, and the, the it's when all these emotions are new to you, you haven't experienced these emotions before, and like having like the big party lifestyle would like make them make them much much worse and mm. i think now you know now i've had all those feelings like i i i don't i can control them i can control these things and it's like it's funny, uh, you know it's, i like it's funny a- you're saying that about that sorry to cut mm. you off there no 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 but like even with that though you're still you're like yes and when i had the breakup i had the controlled loss of control yeah exactly <laughs> like you're still twisting your narrative yeah. to be like i'm in control exactly and with that which is like hilarious because everyone needs to be a little bit but like have you felt that's a part of you like you can be a bit more because that sounds very un yes living in the moment in a way exactly having that attitude yeah well you know that's what the balance is i guess that's what i guess that's why i like this book and i like this character because i'm just like god wouldn't it be amazing to just do that wouldn't it just be amazing to be completely in a way oh I don't like it's even hard to use negative words to describe Sorba because the way the book like really portrays him as like this is a beautiful philosophy for life. Mm. But you know, you think like wouldn't it be great to be selfish? Wouldn't it be great to live without consequence and live for fun full stop and live for life full stop? And I think that there's that envy in that where you're like, ah, oh, it would be awesome, but that's not the reality that I have lived in. That's not the reality that I want to put others through in a way but i think that <laughs> i guess the way it's portrayed in the book is like sorba is like benevolent in a way and because like, well, he's got a big heart he's got a shows. big heart he's I, always he's always he's just full of energy and, mm. and he's, but he's always like the people around him he's trying to make them comfortable and happy even if yeah. it means he lies to them yeah exactly in the present moment but like, and I, yeah. I i see that as well where i'm like oh, that's a quality that i like to think that i have where it's like that big heartedness and the but then it becomes that people pleasing thing like am i people pleaser maybe not the you know i don't Are think you? i 
I don't think so, really. Like, I like to make people happy, but I don't like to lie or anything to do that. Um, but you're not afraid, like, uh, I guess, would you, like, for example, people are like, you plan to stay in, people are like, mm. let's get a drink, and you're like, yes or no? What, what, like, Depends. Sometimes I'll say no. It's like, no, no, totally no, no. totally sounds no. like a... Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you're I, a selfish dog yeah, is what it exactly. sounds like. Exactly. Maybe I am. Maybe I haven't I structured am. this in. It is not my time for this, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is my time. This is my time. Yeah, yeah. I've got my scheduled hangover. It's May 7th from 5 till 9, all right, yeah. after that. Exactly. This Mother's Day weekend, that's when I'm going crazy. So you said, so would you consider yourself a bit of a control freak in some ways? Uh, maybe not a control freak. Like I can <laughs> I can use a positive word maybe. Uh, I do like to be in control, yes, but I also part of like why I'm drawn to filmmaking and the as like filmmaking, I guess, as well, podcasting as like my main more so than stand up as well these days, as my main art form or like art form sounds weird for that, but like my my main creative process is because it is really collaborative. And I think that Part of like being a good creator is being a good collaborator. So it's not about control. It's about uh, working with people and being able to like work with people together to create one thing or to create, to create, to create full stop. I think that's what I've always valued in the, in podcasting and filmmaking is that it is an extremely collaborative medium. And, you know, there'd be times where I like working with people that have like a completely different sense of everything to me, a completely different brain, because then it's like I'm getting answers to questions I didn't even know I had and like I, coming up with solutions that my brain would never be able to. It's like getting access to a whole other brain. I think that's like where I think that I can be controlled and I'd like to have control, but part of the artistic process is the opposite of control. It's about that spark and spontaneity that collaboration brings together. So I guess mm. that's my Zorba answer is that I love spontaneity and I think that's like something that really excites me. Very, very precisely you've chosen every word and story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's... <laughs> No, it's uh, like it's true. Like that's uh, that's the that's the I guess the beauty of that sort of process is that collaborative nature of it and sharing ideas and and having your ideas also shared by others as well, right? That's that's yeah. cool as well. When you're like, hey, yeah. I do have the, I am helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this, is, I'm adding to this. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting. I actually was going to ask you about that from the creative stuff you mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, when you're saying you were choosing your influences, mm. it, it sounded strange to me. You said like your creative lineage. Um, yeah. I always thought like I've got I've never I probably have not learned enough about film and stuff to probably know this, but like I would have thought that stuff is almost not a choice in a way. Yeah, I it's one of those things where it's like I guess it isn't like it's one of those things where it's like I have been like a watcher for a very long time or you know, I knew from a very young age I'm like I wanna be artistic or I want to like follow a creative path so it's like you know you because I've been like I've always con like it's one of those things where it's like when you're creative and you study it and stuff it's not just that 
you're a student then, you're kind of like on a path of studying academia for your entire life is the way they see it, where you will always be reading, you'll always be watching, and you'll always be like ingesting art. And I think that, you know, early on, I was very much going like, okay, these, I like that that early time of like discovery where you like see something and it's like this gateway film or a gateway piece of art where you're like, I want to use that and I want to go through those gates and I want to explore every every facet that inspired this or every piece of art and makes you like switch on and be more creative. And I think that there's people like Nikos Kazantzakis, Martin Scorsese, John Cassavetes, uh, Penelope Spheris, like people like that, that I discovered very early on uh, in like that artistic creative journey that I still will go like, oh yeah, there's parts of those things like Mike Nichols, Elaine May, where I'm like, those are all parts of like my DNA as an artist, Brian De Palma, where I'm just like, oh, that's like what, those are like intrinsically like those things that are just like trapped there forever. And I think that because I've like always thought of it, like the creative process and the creative journey as like always being a scholarly journey as well as student's journey is that. I always think about that as like the idea of like that creative lineage because it's like going from one to the next to the next, like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock to Brian De Palma to Quentin Tarantino to da da da, and like down that path of like understanding that lineage. It's like, I think it's just so, I, it's one of those things that's like over the last few years has become more important to me thinking about it in that way as a framing point in your mind, like as in being able to slot them in mm. like that to then draw from, but it's also, have you felt yeah. like it's important for you to, I guess what I found is so interesting when you said that, like when you said choosing your lineage sort of, because I, like I always would have mm. thought that was almost something that would happen organically. You'd like yeah. this thing, but I guess that's kind of what you meant. Um, yeah. It's organic, but it's also like, you know, I knew of these things. So I'm like, I think that I'll like that. I want to explore that. Or it's been important to a loved one. So I want to understand that and make that part of my story as well. Yeah. Because I mean, like, the only reason I'm saying, because it was funny, I had this conversation in an earlier episode of that mm. kind of Ali about like, my own aspirations sometimes can be a bit higher than maybe I actually am. Like, yeah. you know, not in like a bad way, but it's like, sometimes I think I want to be more artsy than maybe... I fundamentally might actually would have been if it didn't have that yeah. high art association with yeah. it, sort of. And it's like been it's been interesting trying to like thread the needle of like maybe those snooty aspirations sometimes yeah, and who totally. you actually are. Totally. And like lining those things up. And I think as well, especially in this time that we are right now, it's like I feel like I I'm always quite introspective, but now I am introspective in this way that might be negative, where I'm like, I'm doing podcasts and stuff but is it creative is it like that that artistic thing that like you know that i like doing i'm like oh you know in the past i've been writing stuff and trying to make shows and make tv shows and putting together pictures and writing scripts and like you know trying to like make a bigger storytelling project podcast like cameron and i did finding drago and do another one like that like those are the things that like I wish I would be doing, but in this time, I'm like, I can't do those. I can't put my mind to those things. And it's like that. I think that's that thing where it's like that as like creatives, we always fight with that imposter syndrome, right? Where it's like, am I what I say I am? Am I what I think I am? Am I capable of doing what I want to be doing? And it's like those, those are those doubts that like you can't really it's hard to fight them. It's hard to fight through them. I think right now in like the time that you and I are living through and everyone listening to this is maybe living through, they're listening to it as it comes out. Yeah. It's, um, 
it's that it's harder to kind of fight through those things because like, how can you be motivated? Some people are motivated and some people aren't. And I think right now I'm one of those people that's like, I'm trying to figure out if I am or I am not. So I don't know if I'm. So you feel like you're kind of almost at the moment um, hitting the marks like of mm. what's needed, but no more than that. You're not spreading out any further than. You yeah, need to I guess right now it's like, I guess that's right where it's like, I could be doing more to challenge myself where I'm like, oh, I've got this idea for a fucking movie or whatever. I've got this fucking idea about this I, this ghost. I don't know. I'm making it up now trying. That's how <laughs> like- just said a word. Yeah. <laughs> a ghost. And yeah, just, exactly. Where it's Ikea like, and- uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like, you know, it's so, there's so much crazy shit going on and also so little living. To put it to bring it back to the book, because it, it, it's funny you say that. Because uh, when you say that, because like, you're talking about like I guess the difference between the stuff which doesn't actually require, like it still requires thinking to do, but it doesn't require extra thinking mm. to do. You know, like you're doing the podcast you've done before and stuff, yeah. but you're not actually in a position where you feel like stretching, mm. maybe going into uncomfortable work, like as in working where you're not really sure how it's going to go. Challenging, this yeah, could suck. yeah, challenging yourself, yeah. right? And it's funny to tie it in as well when you think about like. Uh, like that would be another thing about Zorba. I would say is in like uh, as the character and one of those di- like those, those those contradictions. It's like yeah, he's like utterly selfish and whatever. But you could almost say at the same time, yeah, if he decided I'm gonna be creative now, he'll sit there and slug it out mm. for six months yeah. and eat shit yeah. because he's like, I want to do that thing. Exactly. He would also have that drive within him to like push through those doubts. Almost, they wouldn't even be death. They just wouldn't even. That's kind of what makes him so appealing. Mm. This concept of like someone who he could work at something and suck at it for a year, and it wouldn't even be a problem. Yeah, like as in, oh man, you nailed it. I think it's the idea. Like he doesn't have doubts. Like he just is. Yeah, even if he wants to work at something, it's like yeah, I'm going to work at it. I'm going to be great at it. Mm. And he just works at it to like not that that's touched on as much, but that's kind of the vibe he gives off. I guess that no doubts. Thing. And I guess right now, maybe you feel just a bit of doubt, but it's more like a creative mm. block almost. Do you reckon? Like, I don't know. That's a- uh, Yeah, it's it's weird because like, you know, there's times you have a creative block and like, I got to work through it. And now I'm like, I don't have that. Like, you got to work through. I'm like, I'm just using this time to just like recuperate, re-energize, you know, think. And but it's like, I don't, yeah, it's like when this is over, hopefully, yeah, I just can go straight back to being normal and being like working. Like, I'm, it's not like I'm not busy either. Like, I'm still like working, doing podcasts, doing your show, like doing guesting on other shows and stuff like that and making mm. the most of that time and being busy. But it's like one of those things where it's like, like you said, that challenging work where you find those works that you will be the challenge to you. It's like, will they come back? I do hope so. I really would love to like be out really being creative and making stuff again rather than not rather than because i love doing what i'm doing now if like you know reading and watching and researching i love research so much i love learning and like that's how i love learning is like by reading and researching and watching and understanding and putting critical thought to things and criticizing and all of those things i love but at the moment those are the things that i can do and now i can't do the other things is like why i'm really missing them yeah like I know, and you kind of feel like maybe there's a gap. Mm. Could you be doing some of it? I yeah. guess. I mean, I again, this is me talking from my own thing, uh, but and it's funny because it ties into the Zorba and the living life mm. to the fullest. But I had this feeling recently because I was talking to a friend, and he has been in lockdown like everyone, but uh, 
He and he's not like a gr- like he's not crazy. Like you know, I know some people who go crazy on Tinder and all that yeah. stuff during all that time. But he he's just a he's a normal guy, I guess, with my finger quotation marks mm. there. But like he's like, oh yeah, I got this. I got a couple of people I've been chatting to that I'm going to meet up with a date as soon as this ISO yeah. finishes. And I'm like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I have no one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I have not engaged that part anywhere near like you'd think. I don't know. I guess a red-blooded <laughs> human being yeah. would kind of engage with. Yeah. And that's kind of been a gap where I feel like oh, I'm feeling separate to what I feel like a lot of the world is experiencing right now, which is that chafing to get out there and yeah. go on a date and engage, interact with people in that sense. Yeah. Um, like, how have you been with that stuff? I guess that's a weird way for me I to get. I guess. That question, well, but... I mean, I live with my partner on that specific on that specific okay, yeah, right. <laughs> on that specific front. Um, yeah, yeah. but I think as well, it's like, it is that thing of like, I feel comfortable in it. You know, I guess it's that introverted thing where it's like, I feel comfortable <laughs> in it and not wanting to jump out yeah, into yeah. the world and live again right now. That's so funny that you were talking about how you wouldn't talk to anyone for four hours. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's worse now that people, now that people know <laughs> the truth. So much worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much yeah. worse. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> this is going to be one of five conversations I'm going to have this whole week. <laughs> well, one of them's a long continuing conversation that never ends. So, <laughs> okay. Again, that never fucking ends. <laughs> I didn't say it that way, dude. That was how you interpreted it. No, nah, I'm loving it. You're sounding very Greek right now. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm going for another sip. I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so that's, that's, uh, that's cool, I guess. I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm looking at the time now. We should probably start mm. tying this up. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about? Uh, oh, I don't know. Everything while we're here, it we was have a bit more of a chat. No, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. We've only got time. I think it was. It's yeah. been really beautiful revisiting this text, and um, mm. the darkness is something that I hadn't anticipated. Especially like I rewatched the movie like a few weeks ago. And, oh, right. and I you didn't remember the no, I didn't remember the darkness, and I think that's one of those things I like in a is when you're challenged by text or challenged by your preconceived notions. So I always, I always think like, oh, it's Zorba. It's the Zorba show where he's like this big gregarious character full of life and full of love. And then you read the book again, you watch the film again and like, man, this is like waking fright shit where it's like, it's like, you know, it makes you, it's got that on one side. It's like, oh, I'd love to go out there and see the world. I'd love to go back to Greece. But then the way that like Crete is portrayed and some of this and like, as like this, like it's kind of scary, right? Like the whole beheading thing, the and all beheading that. thing, and like all of the like the like that's all like this very close-minded, very yeah, backwards yeah. even back then attitude. The like village, it's set in the yeah. past as well. This book, like this village lifestyle, like the village rumors and whispers and stuff, and that uh, the narrator ends up having a one-night stand with like this widow who's already has like there's people in the village that are in love with this widow and they want her to remarry them and stuff. And he has this one night stand with her. And then she's seen as like, now she's already been seen as less than everyone else. And now she's seen as nothing and they kill her or because it leads to another person's suicide. And it's like very, yeah, it's very, very dark. And it was something that it I- doesn't shy away. Yeah. It doesn't shy away from the 
the actual contradictions and even like mm. it does i know before you were trying to say how it's selfish but i don't want to use that word but i actually mm. think it's very appropriate mm. for zorda but it doesn't actually shy away from showing yeah how selfish he is kind yeah of. like it shows that he doesn't think of other people in that way in a way yeah. which is kind of negative like i feel like actually that element it kind of portrays even though it ultimately is forgiving Mm. Um, it does show like he's got his older widower that he's flirting yep. with all the time and he treats her like shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he leaves her, her, he comes back. Yeah, yeah. He marries like a, like the, like the rest of Zorba's <laughs> life is he marries like a woman probably like 40, 50 years younger than him and then he dies and she gives his instrument back to the narrator and the narrator didn't see Zorba for like 20 years. It's like quite, mm. it's all quite sad and melancholic even though like the stuff that we've connected to and been talking about has been like the exciting stuff whereas like a lot of this book and like this story is really it's like imbued in the sadness. So I guess that is the contrast between the two things that I, I don't know. It's one of those things I don't, I didn't remember. And now I'm going back to them. Like I, I do like this contrast. I do like seeing like these, like this sadder world and that there's one guy that doesn't, that like kind of rejects it in a way or mm. lives beside it or around it or in contrast to it. Um, I really like it. And I think that, it's like scary. Like I kind of forget that there's moments of this story and this text that's, that is scary. Yeah. That's like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's dark. Mm. It goes to dark places, um, which is interesting. And, like, and it's of the time as well. Like, yeah, the village thing how it portrays that. Actually, one thing I do want to ask you, what do you think of the, uh, like the misogyny, I guess, mm. of Zorba in his own weird way? Oh yeah. No, he totally, but- he's a misogynist. Absolutely. I can't believe we haven't said that at all yet so far. <laughs> We've left it to like the last three minutes of this podcast to go like, oh yeah, the main character is a misogynist. Hey, Alexi, yeah. you're a bit late. <laughs> yeah. right? I asked you if you didn't want to say anything else. You didn't want to say know, it. I'm now sorry. I'm kind of getting your attitude I'm towards sorry. women. No, all right? no, no. You've been busted. I've been now, busted, okay? dude. I'm going to bust <laughs> you, dude, as well, dude. You could have said it this first second. But yeah, no, I was just trying to trap you, bro. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll own my. Uh, I grew up. I had. Uh, you grew up. It sounds like actually quite an effeminate yeah. household yeah. in terms of your yeah and your mom and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I probably grew up in quite the opposite. Three brothers. Yeah, just my mom. I went to an all boys school, so for me, uh, it's funny how I when I was younger and I first read it, I did. Even though this was university, mm. I did. I still got that it was misogynist, but I also thought it wasn't bad. Mm. <laughs> quotation yeah. like misogyny because like he because the way he's talked i'll be honest like some of that thinking is ingrained in me i would say to this day like there's some lines in there where he's like oh boss you can't give laws to women yeah women they're a different species yeah. you can't ever treat them the same you just got to let them do whatever they want i think whenever they want because he's such a romantic character it's mm. easy to like you you read it and go like this is misogynistic but because he's like he says it with like a glint in his eye or like it is like in his romantic and poetic way of talking about life as being like this beautiful thing that you're kind yeah. of like because it's not cr- really critical of him and his philosophy that you kind of like just are able to go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I guess like uh, it probably just speaks to a whole form of – we're going slightly off topic mm. now, but this could be interesting. I guess a form of – it's still problematic because it can what it can lead to in terms yes. of thinking types, but it's not necessarily problematic in its own way where, I mean, it, it is still treating women as other. 
in mm. that sense, but it's not yes. necessarily saying other and bad. It's just saying yes. other and different is what yeah. kind of where he comes from, which has its own inherent issues attached to it, I guess. But uh, it's more acceptable almost. Mm. If that's like if that's as far as you're going, that's still, you know. Like yeah, you could grow up and actually treat women the same, but <laughs> and I think as well, it's like you know, reading it now. I don't know what it would. It's hard to kind of think about it contemporaneously, like how it would be. But you kind of like reading it now. The way that you can kind of see it is like, oh, that's that old world thing. That's the old country. No, it still fucking sucks, man. Like it still sucks. Like it's still like not. It's still like it is still like you said, seeing that other and seeing that less than. Yeah, well, I mean, because I, 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 if we want to go down this rabbit hole a bit, I sometimes struggle, again, because of my upbringing and mm. because of my own base. I once did some comedy on it, which I think I might actually revisit sometime. Yeah. But um, that base feeling, because of how I grew up, of me thinking of females as other, not in terms of, in terms of rights mm. and all that stuff, but just in terms of them, I would like group them all separate to how I would group all guys. Yeah. And even that can be a an issue kind of if you do that putting them on a pedestal or something like that as well and I, it's kind of the same issue i would say as well that there is there is like an issue uh like a cultural issue of like misogyny in like uh definitely like greek and mediterranean uh cultures where it is like they do have like those set gender roles of like going back to this day where like those set gender roles and it's like that idea I always remember like an uncle of mine, like as a joke, after we have like the big feast and stuff, he'd always be like, Mazapseta, Mazapseta, which means like clean them up. Like he'd do it as a character and then he'd go pick up all this stuff and put it in the, like put it in the sink and like wash it himself. But it was- He a, did. I, what a little pansy. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? That did not happen in my yeah. house. Let me tell you. It still doesn't. It's like, it is that thing. Like, you know, you, you can test for it where it's like that, there is like that gender imbalance of those gender roles where it's like- it's like, you know, you you don't want to use the word ingrained, but then you question like whether it is ingrained where, you know, this is a, this is, um it's hard to talk about these things because, you know, you want to talk about your heritage and stuff with like pride and immense pride. But then to do that, you have to be honest about these things where it's like, yeah, you it is there. Yeah. I think, I don't think necessarily means it's bad for you to point out yeah the negatives in the culture, even as you... Are still for it yeah and i think as well like you know part of that journey of like progression and growing is like to see it to notice it and then like like you said like we've been doing like bring attention to it and talk about it and like you know i will now have this thing where like i'll talk to like my relatives like dude you're like you're fucking old school like grow up like live live now where it's like you know i've it's that's been a journey for me to be able to like be able to like confront those issues actually has been really tough and stuff. But like, you know, I've got like an uncle that I'm very close to, but he's very masculine and very, and I'm obviously not very masculine. Like, well, you know, I am, but you know what I mean? I'm a tough guy, (laughs) but you know, like that. And he's always like challenged that on me and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, it's so annoying. But then like, what he's directly challenged you. Yeah. But like, not in like, you know, trying to be jokingly, but it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, it still sucks or whatever. So like the way that I've been able to, yeah. And like the way that I've like grown in the, last like probably 
six or seven years of like confronting that is like now I just do the opposite to him where I'm just really sweet to him and like will tell him that I love him and always like go cuddle him and kiss him and stuff. And like now he's swapped. He doesn't do that anymore. He likes, he likes that. I think cause he's like always been like, Oh men are tough or whatever. I think now that like there's been another, not a little boy, like a man has like shown him like love. He's like, Oh yeah, I like that more. And he's never ever questioned like oh, that. Really? masculinity ever since okay that's interesting and that, that is a funny point you make though like because yeah i didn't think about it you growing up obviously in quite a feminine household yeah. and as an only child did you feel that pressure sometimes to kind of be more oh big time man yeah like in high school i was like you know trying to be so mask and stuff <laughs> like you know oh, really, really tr- you know not to to an extent that it's like uh, you know, trying to be like tougher and stuff. And then like just slowly realize like, oh no, that's not who I am. And kind of like, you know, having positive role models around you that are not that uh, like high level misogynic, misogynistic masculinity that like you're seeing those like, you know, growing up in like the 21st century, it's more common to have those become like people rising up as not, uh, it's hard to describe now, but you know, like I had other uncles that were like less masculine, and those would be like the people that are like, oh yeah, this person, this uncle's so funny. This uncle like goes around like singing ABBA songs and stuff like that, and like that's more people like think that he's the best than the than my like cranky, like masculine, angry uncle. More people think my uncle to me that's the Zorba. That's my uncle that's going around like singing ABBA and like laughing and having like this high big laugh. I'm, like that's what yeah. I want to be. That's a person. That everyone loves so you developed you felt like that actually had an impact on how you kind of saw your attempts at yeah masculinity exactly. i guess you didn't feel like you could represent it a different way yeah exactly when i started like realizing that shit i'm like oh fuck that I, why would i want to be like fucking you know people like tony soprano or like sunny corleone where it's like those are those like really hyper masculine role models where i was like that's awesome that's what i want to be i want to be tough and i'm like i'm not absolutely not that i can't do that and it's like that realization, definitely like a high school realization. All right. Okay. That's well, that sounds like a healthy thing. And it's funny you say that because, yeah, Zorba is more the one who's singing ABBA and running around mm. and dancing and stuff because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Like, even though he's got these attitudes that are backwards yeah. at the same time, he doesn't, I guess, he doesn't sit in that label mm. as much. Or whatever. He doesn't take it as a defensive thing. He's like, they're different, I'm different, let's party. Yeah, like, exactly. Which is a healthier expression. Let's hope. In a yeah. Weird way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're all wrong. We're all wrong. <laughs> that's hope, yeah. right? That's, I guess that sounds like a positive place to kind of end the conversation. <laughs> Man, George, this has been such a great hangout with you tonight. That's all right. It's been so Thank fun. Uh, yeah, and well, hopefully you've uh, maybe going to look at Zorba a little bit differently or a little bit more in depth as well. Yeah, let's hope. i got to try and finish it now. <laughs> got to try and read it again. The great effeminate Zorba. Yeah, that's it, dude. We're going to write it. As a feminist role model. We're going to write I it. I like it. Yeah. Like feminist icon, Zorba the Great. Yeah. Um, okay, well, thanks very much. Yeah, kind of that's it. You want to say anything else before you sign off? Um, oh, well, check out my podcast on Sans Pandas Network as well. Uh, me and Cameron James do Total Reboot where we talk about movies, reboots, remakes, and rip-offs. We'll do an original movie one week, like a classic, and then we'll do the movie that ripped it off or remade it or rebooted it or the week after that. Um, and yeah, it's really fun. It's like this kind of like in-depth conversations about like, 
I guess, artistic expression. And then also us goofing around, being silly, mucking around, doing impressions and stuff like that. Very, very silly, but very fun. We take it seriously, but also take it very silly. Uh, but that's Total Reboot. Check it out. It's real fun to do. Nice. All right. Thanks a lot. My Cheers, pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com.